It's the Jesus and Paula Show. Starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Tune in as we learn the mind of Christ and thoughts of God. Well, good evening and welcome to this week's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula Show. Yay! All right, are we seeing demonic dominoes falling out there in the world? Roe versus Wade. Uh, we have even coming out of the Oklahoma sector that has affected many things. The McGirt decision being overturned, uh, which is a huge deal for law enforcement as well as U.S. citizens. Uh, if you don't know what that's all about, go look it up. But it's about uh, tribal and non-tribal rights and prosecution and and how people can be prosecuted or not prosecuted. It, it's something that would have a tremendous impact on each and every city uh, that has to deal with that in the states. And so um, very pleased to see that our attorney general uh, had worked very relentlessly on the overturning of that decision, John O'Connor. And so uh, we bless God for him as well. And just, you know, now it's it's the proverbial get your popcorn because we're going to see how Satan's head is going to be popping off as he loses ground and territory, although we are not um, naive enough to think that the war is remotely over concerning any of these issues. Now they're coming to the state level. We're going to see, I'm sure, more overreach from the White House, more overreach from the federal government in areas that they should have not had a say in the first place. And so be ready, be ever vigilant. Now, I would say is the time to be even more vigilant in how we pray and how we take a stand and in how we protect the kingdom and the Lord's interest and our readiness in those interests. Uh, let me see here. We saw what did Lovey sent me that I think it was the FCC sent out to Apple and all these other platforms to remove TikTok from their platforms because it is just a blatant national security risk. And uh, how many, man, he had the stats on how many videos go up every day on TikTok and Snapchat and how that's the easiest way for China to peer into our country, to see our citizens and what we're doing and to plan accordingly. Do you want to find out somebody's weak point? Really just watch them, observe them. It's, see, it's so easy to manipulate. I think if, if there's nothing else, these apps have shown us so many things about human behavior. And one of them being trends and how people just want to be a part of a trend. They want to get big numbers. They want to have uh, explosive likes and hearts and things like that. And so in, in even in just on Instagram, because I'm on Instagram and and watching the reels and the videos and you have the dance trends that people will do the one hook of a line and here's the dance and then that rolls through and then this dance trend and then makeup trends and clothes trends and statement trends and pet video trends and 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 everything else that just is trending and our addiction to trending our addiction to fitting in our addiction to following i mean we really are the pied piper era where it's, uh, anything is just walking through now instead of walking down the natural street it's trending through your feed street of oh well you know i want to make a video about this too i, I want to do this too and i want to do that too and it's very scary to see how quickly so many people jump on a trend 
body of Christ, not body of Christ, in the world, out of the world, whatever religion you are, everybody has them. We've seen it with fashion. Last night in youth group, we were reading about Cain and Abel. We ended up reading about Cain and Abel because we're actually in the book of Deuteronomy and we're watching another video that took us back to that in our conversation. And um, was it last week, Dr. Price talked about the vagabond spirit starting with Cain and how the whole clothes. And so the kids were telling me, you know, now the trend is the shoes that have the trash pattern that look like garbage and, you know, all these things. And so we were just addressing how when, the, the lower you go is trending. That's how you know the higher seats demonic leaders are in. For us to trend looking like a curse, looking like the cursed is trending. That's how you know that the righteous are not in power for sure to the extent that we once were. I mean, come on. And like Dr. Price always says, but that's a mockery of people who are poor. <laughs> it's a mockery <clears throat> of people who cannot do any better. And so we're sitting over here, people sitting over here, poor, busted down, broken down, cannot help it. And here comes Hollywood and here comes trending and here comes popular people and famous people actually modeling that like it's something to be proud of. Now, I'm not saying you should be ashamed if you're poor because, hey, everybody comes from somewhere. But to actually capitalize off of an impoverished look when the last thing you are is impoverished is just terrible. And so all of these trends moving in that are about pulling you down, pulling you down, pulling you down, culture, society. So we talked about that last night in youth group, very interesting conversation actually about that and to hear their thoughts and comments and feedback. And, you know, to young people, a lot of this stuff just doesn't make sense. Why would you spend $125 on a pair of pants with holes in it? Like half the pant actually isn't even there. Why would you spend? And you notice how these raggedy trends cost more than keeping on and buying clothes that why is a bikini so much money? There's nothing to it. Then you got string bikini, string, the dental floss. I could go to the store. And string some dental floss together and get more coverage than what you're paying $250 for. And you have less clothes. And we talked about we talked about that as well. Did we talk about that here? I can't hear it there anywhere about the trend of bikinis and how the whole agenda was, I bet we can get women to wear their underwear in public. Was how all of that started. Men, of course. And to, no, women will never, no, 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 no. If we, if we set it up like this, then we will get women to do something that they actually don't do and wouldn't do with their underwear with bikini wear. Because somehow we've told ourselves it's a difference <clears throat> because of what the fabric maybe. And so you have, you have underwear that covers more than bikinis. And then we'll say walking around in your underwear isn't appropriate, but walking around in this bikini is fashion. Do we, I mean, we've really been brainwashed into stupid. Really, really have. So we've said that I would never walk around with this little clothes on, but it's summertime and we're going swimming. So I will. Same body. Same people. My swimwear that I have on the, once in a lifetime, random occasions that I'm somewhere where there is a pool <laughs> where I'm actually relaxing 
I told Dr. Price yesterday, I went to the website for the Jewish girls and the Muslim girls because they have the long, it's still swim material, but the long shirts, the long, if I'm not wearing it now, I'm not wearing it at a swimming pool. So if it's inappropriate for me to wear with the men that I minister to here, why is it going to be appropriate at a pool party for the church? Well, you know, because it's so, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, no, 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 okay. And so I got the cute shorts that go with it. Come on, you know, I'm going to be cute about it. But still, holy, and nobody has to walk away distracted, needing the prayer line, intercession, talking about I'm having inappropriate thoughts. Men walking around with their shirts off, you're still half naked. It's still, you're still half naked. And we are so far off the mark of righteousness because we bought into morality. And she's talked about the difference between the two. We don't realize the double standards that we have. Where in one context, we will say something is absolutely wrong. In another context, it's absolutely acceptable. And it's the same thing. Maybe different material. Maybe less material. As we talked about this weekend sale, let's talk about our sale, Independence Day sale. Oh, man. Monday's the 4th of July. Already. Who let that happen? Who let that happen? It's the 4th of July, not July 4th, the 4th of July. Independence Day, 20% off all of the Soul of Success digital products. The code is there on your screen, 7422. So take advantage of that. If you don't have it or if you do and you want to buy them for somebody else, 20% off. That's that good sale. See, that's that holiday sale. Once you get past 5%, you're moving into good sales and discounts. Oh, yes. That's more than the tax, 20. All right, Oklahoma especially. And so uh, you want to take advantage of that. Speaking of the soul, I'm going to play this really short promo. Last week, Dr. Price introduced to you and me at the same time that we were rolling out soul courses and classes. Hey, and she said in a couple weeks, rolling it out. Well, this week we have the platform that's being built and set up. And we're going to start with the soul. And we're going to play this short promo for you so that you can take a look at what it is. And we're going to come back and have some discussion. Reintroducing Dr. Paula Price Powertrain.com. Become the most successful you. Business and life coaching and training with Dr. Paula Price. Register today for her course that will be available called Taking Control of Your Soul, a personalized way to take control of you. Lesson one Your soul is the creator made it. Lesson two Soul Fixer Upper, getting in touch with your soul. Lesson three, dissecting the thoughts of the heart. And lesson four, under construction, exposing the appetites of the heart and soul. Learn more at www.drpaulapricepowertrain.com. We're rolling this out from a Soul Sunday that Dr. Price did. So if you're at the Congregation of Mighty, you sat in this class. It's been months, uh, but you sat in this class that we're turning into a short course for you. It doesn't matter if you've been in this thing once. It is not enough. Going back through this, this one class, I was like, oh, yeah, it's time for the next round of deliverance. In order to be prepared for anything, if you want to be used by God in any capacity, your soul has got to be right. It has to be healthy. It has to be whole. It's like saying that you want to run a marathon, 
but your body is breaking down. Your knees are busted. Let's start with the busted knees. Your ankles are mangled, swollen. Guess what you're not running? A marathon. You can have all the faith you want, but your body will say faith is not enough. And it will laugh at you as you try and get up the next day or as you try and run that first mile. And it said, and your body says to you, what are you doing? <laughs> we haven't prepared for this. You haven't trained for this. You just want to jump in on enthusiasm, jump in on anointing. And this is how we do with a calling many times. We want to jump in on the enthusiasm of the, the prayer line. The God knows the prophecy. Ma'am. I've received some powerful words in these previous months. And I'll tell you what, the work that it takes to build a foundation to begin to fulfill a word. You don't just jump into fulfillment. When you're talking about uh, product fulfillment, first you have to have product development. And then product production before you can have product fulfillment. And we want to run, I mean, we have some of the saints in here, the leaders running Price University. You don't say we're going to have a course that's a semester long on Monday. I'm talking about a quality course. And then have it up by Wednesday. You have to learn, you have to map out goals, objectives, outcomes. Develop resources. If you're blessed, they already exist. But if you're doing something new, create each and every element and put it together. Well, when you're being prepared to be used by God, it's the same kind of way. We want to go right to fulfillment and we don't go into strategy, brainstorming, development, uh, reproduction, testing. Let's not forget before development or reproduction is testing, product testing. Is this even going to work on the market? Is this what the, the world needs? Um, is something going to happen to preempt it? If we get set back, what are we going to do? All of that that is involved in pushing forward. So first, you must deal with the soul. In the Apostles Training Program, it's built in there. There's a whole course in there on the soul. There's probably going to be four by the time we're done because of the complexity of the soul. If you've gone most of your life and never had soul treatment, there's a lot of work to be done. Just like with your body, if you go and, and, and you have not had work done or if you haven't maintained, if you have not had that healthy lifestyle or anything like that, before you can jump into something strenuous, you got to make sure that your body can take it. You have to make sure your immune system can take it, that your mind can take it, that your joints can take it, your back and every single element to it. And so this sole topic, I want all of our leaders to enroll in this course and take it as a course and not just taking notes. We move at a thousand miles an hour around here and it's so easy to keep going and never look back in life in general. And you can say amen and agree, and, and there's a lot that can happen and be worked out in you in the moment. But it's going back to it because it's like saying, well, I go to the gym twice a week, so that should be enough. No. Your whole entire lifestyle, you need something at home in between time. Your diet has to change. Your beverages, I mean, if anybody has just cut sugary beverages out of their diet, you automatically drop weight. Boom. Because you underestimate how much sugar is in a beverage. If you're that coffee drinker, that creamer, um, please don't go through the coffee drive throughs Those specialty drinks are loaded 
absolutely loaded and overloaded with sugars and caffeines and all those things, eliminating one or two key things out of your diet will change the way. In fact, in this, she talks about sugar and giving sugar to your children and how they can't focus, they can't concentrate, they can't think in school. First of all, Pop-Tarts for breakfast, whose idea was that ever? I mean, just, you might as well mainline that thing on your way out of the door and just open your mouth and pour the sugar down their throat in in some tablespoons versus those kind of sweets. In my house was not that. My house was Wheaties. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan was cool, so at least you could say, we want to be like Mike. And you go, you better get your whole grain. Better eat your Wheaties. Remember that, Michael Jordan? Better, you better eat your Wheaties. And so, okay, we could get it with Michael Jordan with Wheaties. That's how they got a generation of kids to be healthy because they put somebody on there that everybody wanted to be like. If I could be like Mike. Okay, and so they put him, put him on there. We talked about him last night in youth group, can't you tell? All right, and so, we, you know, at least they did that. My mother was the Cheerios person. She was the cream of wheat, the cocoa wheat, the farina. You had all this kind of stuff. Ovaltine in the wintertime, if we were really good, we got some Ovaltine. Woo, because there's some vitamins in that. Not because it's chocolate, but because there's Ovaltine. So not that Nestle. No, no. It's going to be the Ovaltine. Drink water. Mom, my head hurts. She talks about this on there. And Dr. Price said it. I laughed. Mom, my head hurts. Drink water. I don't feel good. Drink water. Everything was drink water. That's all we have in this house. I mean, ginger ale was a treat. Kool-Aid grandma's house. All right. And, and so, you know, we had those straight and narrow things, but if you don't have that discipline in your soul, so it's not enough to say that I go to church twice a week, let's bring it home. It's not enough to say I'm in attendance. That's like saying you go to the gym twice a week. You have your trainer there. You have your minister there who's doing actually a lot of the heavy lifting, steering you. Okay, we're going to do this uh, sermon or message Sunday school, Wednesday night, midweek. You know, midweek is that midweek visit. You're going to do that quick, you know, whatever. And then be about your business. But that's not enough. It is not enough to only rely on Sunday and Wednesday. Because, you know, Wednesday's for the faithful saints. The ones who are like, okay, and then don't add a prayer group to it. Then those are the superstar saints. Like, yes, I'm going to be a part of prayer, intercession, then the prayer call, and everything else. And so, so you need a lifestyle, what we call here your scripturally organic, culturally unmodified lifestyle, in order to not just achieve a goal, but to maintain it. And so with these soul classes, which I'm so excited about, it's about the ability to maintain hitting your goals. Why do people come down to a certain weight and then blow back up? Usually bigger than they were before they started the journey because they did not have a maintenance plan. And so if you're somebody who has been delivered, anybody been delivered from something, okay? If you've been delivered, look, there's a, there's a prophet with the hand all the way up in the back of the room. If you've been delivered, then you need a maintenance plan to see to it that that thing doesn't come back around and take you out the next time. It's not enough to say, I've been set free. You have to have a program in place to maintain your freedom, to maintain your liberty, and then to improve and strengthen so you don't end up where you were. Because you know what? When you're on, when your soul is on lockdown, when your spirit is on lockdown, when you are imprisoned by something, When you're imprisoned, it is so easy to say, man, if I get out of here, I will never be here again. Don't we say it? I will never be here again. But if you truly don't know what got you there, 
your potential to return recidivism is very high. And that's not just in the natural, that is in the spirit realm. So if, because we remember the agony, we remember the pain, don't we? We remember the frustration. We remember, uh, of being in bondage. But if you honestly can't say, especially in honesty, because I did these things, I got here. Not what other people did. Not what other people made me. We talked about this last night in youth as well. Not, but taking ownership for how you got yourself where you landed yourself in whatever addiction, whatever bad relationship, whatever situation, whatever injury to your body. If you're not honest about your role in that, you will eventually end up there again or really truly never be free. Because you can be not, you know, behind walls and still be bound. People walking around bound every day. This is why they think that suicide is their best way out. And they're just walking around looking like everybody else, looking like they're having a great time, planning their exit from the planet. And so in this, I love lesson one, your soul is a creator made it. Lesson two, soul fixer upper, getting, getting you in touch with your soul is so essential. And then three, dissecting the thoughts of the heart. Anybody ever have dissecting in science? You need a stomach to dissect. You need to have the stomach for it, don't you? You you need to have the stomach to cut something open that was once alive and examine how it died, why it died, or how it lived. And how you can keep the thing like that alive. So you have to have a stomach for dissection. See, a lot of people don't have a, the stomach to truly dissect their own soul or let God do it. They really don't. So I like that lesson, she, that part she taught on dissecting the thoughts of the heart. Because she went in and began to slice, oh, slice and dice. What's really going on? The thoughts and the intents of the heart. And then the last portion under construction, exposing the appetites of the heart and soul. You know, when you autopsy something, they open it up to see what's in there. Well, the last meal they had was, that's just disgusting. I'll tell you what, when it's not your call, you're like, ooh, wow, huh? And when it is your assignment, you know what you say? Well, somebody has to do it. It has to be done. I watched this whole behind the scenes on uh, cruise ships, and it was this one of the largest cruise ships in the world. And this thing is a beast. I'm going to have all my people in cutting edge and, and those hospitality departments watch it. It's only an hour long. And uh, in one area, now you think about there are 6,500 people on this ship for a week. The waste from 65, not, not just the garbage, but the, the human waste. And so there's a guy who works down in the boiler room <coughs> that purifies and filters the waste. Because you can't just dump that in the ocean as is. You cannot do that. And so you have to process. They have this whole elaborate filtration system. And the man who works down there and over it, he says, well, you know, uh, in the beginning, you know, you start working down here and the smell is just so like, ooh, unpleasant that. And so a lot of people don't want to work down here. He said, you know what he said, though? He said, but it has to be done. But somebody has to do it. Somebody has to purify the filth. So that one, we can have these amazing cruises. And then by the time they purified it, it looked as it looked, looked as clean as the purified water that they gave people. So they were actually able to use some of it as a cooling system for the engines. And then the rest they uh, got rid of once they got into port. <coughs> Appropriately, they got rid of that. But to hear him say, 
oh, but somebody has to deal with this. Somebody has to deal with the waste. It has to be somebody's job. And really counted it, you know, he took great pride in his, which you should, because that's nasty, in his ability to sanctify and purify what was unclean. And so in dealing with our soul, we really, it's easy to be like the, you know, oh, no, I can't change a dirty diaper. Oh, no, I don't want to. And so we constantly want to avoid everything stinky and smelly about us and just keep moving. But everybody else is reacting to the stench in our soul. Such a cute baby. You walk up to that baby, you're like, whoo, where's mommy? When they change you, come back to me. You can't even see the cute on the baby anymore because the smell is so bad. You're like, ooh, ooh, mm -mm, mm -mm." And we have some soul stench. We have the dirty diapers in the soul that must be changed. And at some point, when your baby has too many exploding diapers, you're like, there's a problem somewhere in the system. There's a problem. And so I love these soul classes. The soul clinic is now open. You can begin to register tomorrow for the course. And it will be, the course will be open June 10th, uh, July. Wow, June is almost over. By July 10th. But you'll have early registration where you can register, actually gain access to the course. And then it will be fully open uh, in just uh, less than two weeks. And so we have got to do the soul work. We have got to say, oh, my diaper. Hmm. Or, you know, now as adults, your stomach starts acting funny. And you're like, excuse me. I have to step out for just a moment and go. I'm getting all the warning signs that an explosion is about to happen. And it won't be pretty. In our building, let me talk about our building. We have all kinds of bathrooms around here. And there's a designated bathroom that people go way over on the other side of the upstairs when they have to go. So over here, we just go. But when saints have to go, they go. They have the, I have to go walk. And they go to that part and to those bathrooms over there. You know what everybody over here says? Thank you. And no, and one day it'll be us next, you know, because if your business is working properly, it should be happening. So this is normal. Like elimination is normal. Waste buildup is normal. So soul soul poo (laughs) is normal, which is why you need the cleanse and the detox, but not just the cleanse and the detox, because I think too many times we stop there. You've got to put back in the right bacteria. Mm -hmm. You have to replace and find out why certain things stay upset in order to, or, and, and then when you stay in chronic, upset, you have to go see a specialist. Mm. And we call Dr. Price the soulologist, the soul specialist. But also, we also know that when we're toxic, then all of our abilities, I mean, it's like we can't think. Mm-hmm. We can't make decisions. Can't we forget. Anything. So our excellence and our essences are, are completely compromised, if not interrupted, disrupted, because we have all of this toxicity pretending to be reality. And so right now, that's what the soul clinic is, is that because there are things that you know you should have won, you know you should have done well, yeah. you know you should have had control over or it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. You have all of that and you don't know why. But the, the, remember, the body is the literal physical imagery of the soul. But the soul is how the body receives everything that it gives. And today it's so interesting that, I, you know, we're, we're there. 
here. We're there because we get an opportunity to talk about it. Now, while I'm talking today, I just want to encourage you all while you're there to, to begin to post your questions and whatever. Some of you all post comments and, and, and bless your heart, you know. But if you have a question or that you want to, me to answer or an issue that you want to hear us speak on, hear me speak on, post it. Tell me. I'm very interested in meeting. This is the soul clinic. You know, we're still in clinic. So, you know, we, we're, we're focusing not so much on the prophecy aspect, although the way it works, they end up being synonymous. But this is the soul clinic. That means things you want to get fixed, you want to work on, you want to have addressed, things that you don't know. We have long since come away from the belief that people don't want truth or don't want righteousness because that's not as accurate as it has been promoted over the last several decades. You know, Satan says the truth hurts. Most people say so does a toothache. That doesn't mean I don't go to the dentist. And when the dentist tells me he's going to take out my teeth, you know, then I'm going to suffer that hurt to get truthfully good teeth, truthfully, a truthfully healthy mouth. So we, we, I found out more and more saints want to know. The soul clinics are so powerful, and I know she's done a superb job of uh, explaining it, but what makes them so powerful is that they put your life back into your control. Yes. Because many of the things that happen to you by the time you're notified by your soul, by your psyche, that it's in work or in effect, you're already suffering the consequences. But what if you can roll back and find out where it is as a seed, where it is as a as a, a, a germ, this germ that you know is going to grow up? There are a lot of times that your, your soul is telling you through dreams. It's telling you through uh, what seems like incidents or stories. Or, or, oddities and anomalies that something is amiss see because your soul your soul's triggers are not the same as your body's trigger although they work together in tandem you're going to appreciate these sessions because you're going to find out how to restore your soul by moving it from distress to success and how doing so will put you on the path of lifelong liberty so I want to say that again, because I want you to understand why we're doing this. The soul sessions will teach you how to restore your soul. Number one, soul restitution. Number two, distress to success. And number three, lifelong liberty. I don't know about you, but I think that that is an amazing. Well, I mean, we would have loved to have had that. Wouldn't you would love to have that? Yes. So. And get and the big part, the big reward is that it's in your hands, it's in your power. Once you understand how the maker made your soul to function, because that's our uniqueness. Our uniqueness is learning and treating your soul as the maker made it, not as his re- degenerates mm. and rejects transformed it. Much of this, you know, you all are, you have no idea how you are not letting the maker heal your soul. You're in, if you're in yoga, then you're in Buddhism. So you're not operating according to Christ. You're operating according to what Christ cursed and defeated. So you are wondering why you're saying, well, I'll just say prayers. You know, it's really interesting because how people are taught to think. I'll just say the prayers um, that are, I'll say the Psalms, even though I'm doing Buddha yoga. 
Do you understand what that means? You understand that even if you're naive and, in, and ignorant about the steward and the supervisor or the prevailing uh, spirit over that thing, the prince over it knows that it's them. They don't care. That's like you all putting tattoos on your on your body. Well, I'll just put Christian tattoos. No, no. Christ didn't invent tattoos for the body. So you're, you're working Satan's maneuvers. You're working Satan's implements and instruments under the guise of Christianity. So the seduction is the guise. Right. You know, it's disguised as Jesus Christ. So then you're wondering, I'm spending all of this money. I'm spending all of this money for therapy, for counseling and coaching, and you're going to a place that they prayed to Buddha for you to get healed. They prayed for Buddha to heal you. They didn't pray for Jesus. They prayed for Buddha to heal you. They prayed for Brahma to heal you. They prayed for Allah to heal you. They just put Christian language in and Christian labels and taglines on it. But you understand in the spirit realm, they don't have any such confusion. Those that one third angels that fell from the sky, they know they left Jesus Christ. They know they they are fallen, but they know they fell as traitors. And they fell as instigators. And they fell as infestors and infectors. So you have to understand this. That is why Prophecy Clinic is essential because you've been told it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. It matters whether or not you put on a particular lotion that someone else finds wonderful if you're allergic to it. It matters. Doesn't it matter? So now you just got out of your shower. You are dry skin. You ran out of your lotion and guess what you're going to do? You're going to do without lotion because you know your friend's product is an allergen for you. See, there are a lot of lies that we, when we take out the, the, the human element, you can make any lie fly on print. That's why they do it. But when you start having the person that created it, so you're sitting there, you're in the, you're in the field and you're allergic to peanuts and you all are stranded and you cannot get to food. Guess what you won't eat? Because it's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Death is awaiting. Right. So you can suffer starvation to prolong your existence. Mm. See, these are the way Jesus, what? Mind of Christ, thoughts of God. So this is how Jesus views it. So when it, what would a man give for your soul? That's the peanut analogy. What will you do? You get, will you, if you gain the whole world and they gave you three days to live, does it matter? The best you can do is pass out the inheritance. So when we start talking about the prophet and how prophets have to think, Jesus came as a prophet. I need you to hear me. Not to, He came as the messianic prophet. He came as the redemptive prophet. He came as the, the founder of the prophetic. He came as the creator of all prophet vessels and vehicles. Vessels and vehicles. And nonetheless, he came as the starter. He came as the alpha prophet. So that he can be the omega prophet. Now, how do we know that? Because he talks in the book of Revelations about how much he's vindicating the prophets. He mentions the prophets. Rejoice, you prophets. Rejoice, you who died for the... Rejoice. 
we we hear people when I talk about the prophetic apostolic and prophetic uh, being compared the two first Corinthians 28 with Ephesians 411 when we look at it well interestingly enough Revelation 1820 confirms that rejoice you apostles and prophets for the Lord has avenged you he's a so he's a he didn't say he was avenging all of the others he's avenging the others as saints He's avenging apostles and prophets as scriptures authoring mantles. I need you to understand this. When, when I talk to people about the prophetic and I, and I say things are so unusual that you all don't even know it. And, you know, the stupid ones write me back, mostly males. I don't understand why males, are, 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 you know, I guess it's the, the gender bias. I'm going to call it that. And so, and they write one, no, and, it's, and when I say idiotic, not all, the few, because I have some wonderful sons and daughters out there that I absolutely adore, and I love hearing from you. But, but you know, they'll write me things like, this is all, I'm like, but you don't even say why. All you can say is your male ego is offended because a woman's intelligence blew your mind. Oh, we got a bell already. Because you have been told that it's been all about your gender and your hormone. This is not a testosterone issue. We don't have a testosterone theology. Nor do we have an estrogen one. So we're going to talk about that. But when you write that stuff, and I thought to myself, now God, that's stupid. That is stupid. And I, and I look at them and I say, yeah, well, somebody looking, yeah, okay. We're going to roll with that. But you need to understand where God is. Jesus came as the prophet of prophets, the maker of prophets, the creator of prophets, the author of prophecy, the author of prophecy, the author of prophecy, the author, not your heart, not your gift, not your intuition, not your instincts, not your sensing. He came as the author of prophecy. Author and finish of our faith mean prophet and apostle. Prophet, the whole New Testament, Old Testament is prophet. Prophet, prophet, prophet. I know they broke it down in the wisdom book, but that was people who were snatching it from the prophets. Because wisdom calls prophets and apostles. Mm -hmm. So the entire Old Testament is about the soul because that's what fell in, in the... I got hit a bell, girl. I can't find it. Thank you. Appreciate you. Okay, she gave me three. One for the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. We don't we don't fracture the Godhead. So I need you to hear this because where we're going today is going to be quite interesting and, and, and intriguing. So from Genesis to um, <clears throat> Malachi, Malachi, because Zechariah is in front of it, it's about the soul. And when you're dealing with a prophet, it's about the soul. That is, and it's very interesting that prophets don't have psychology degrees. Or in our case, soulology degrees in the name of that office. When that is the mantle, the office that started it all. I, I, I will keep saying it. My, my team is keeping up with me on this. God bless them. And I will keep saying it. That Abel according to the maker of prophets and the author of prophecy. Jesus calls a prophet. 
and he was killed by his brother, his elder brother, because he picked up what his father rejected. That is the intermediary between God and his creation, between God and humanity. I want you to think about that. Just think about it. So we, when, you know, in Genesis, we just conclude, I don't know if they edited or not, because, you know, we had a lot of folk tampering with scripture to try to keep us from being, you know, born again and then redeemed and then, well, raptured. It could happen, you know, it, it did. So when you think about this, Cain killed Abel, not over fruits and veggies. He killed Abel because the, the, the younger made the older his servant. God caused the older to serve the younger. And we see that pattern throughout scripture. So Cain, who was the firstborn of the wicked one, Satan's firstborn in the flesh on earth. Somebody, y'all shed a bow. We need to, I need to go hit. Let me hit a bell. I got a bell. Come on here. Cain, hear me. Cain is Satan's firstborn in the flesh. Yep. Eve knew it. Now, how she knew the difference, I, I, I mean, that's a good roundtable discussion. But Eve knew that Cain belonged to Satan. Somehow, that principle became a pillar in family line generations because we see when Israel is brought out of Egypt God claims the firstborn right. and he says the firstborn belongs to I need you to hear that said yeah. so everything that opens the womb is holy to the Lord so all your firstborns belong to God, which is why Satan works hard to be the one that steals a woman's virginity and to impregnate her first. That's all. It's very important for you to recognize that because that, that is a garden principle that has become a creation pillar. So your firstborn, so if you don't lift up your firstborn to the Lord, Creation still lives according to the principles, but you haven't devoted your child. When you think about it, no matter what happens to them, that firstborn, God's going to watch that firstborn because it's his. Because the, And the reason is the firstborn is the concentrated strength of the mother and the father. He will never get anything more potent from that union than the firstborn. The The... the Abel, being the last born, meaning he's the baby of the family, he gets his father's inheritance. What his father spurned and sold to Satan. So the firstborn has, has the consummate of all of the good, the bad, and the ugly. That last born has the, has the, the consummate of what has been purged in their biological selves in their biotic and solical self. So when you think about how important the prophet is, can you believe the first prophet was the baby child? Because the firstborn, Satan took. Mm -hmm. 
and Eve knew it. When she got pregnant with Abel, she said, God has blessed me with another child. To what? To replace Abel who Cain slew. She knew it. So obviously there were other other observational differences and observational traits that she recognized. Like she recognized Cain was of the wicked one. And she should know because the wicked one tempted her and caused her to sell out her God, her husband, and her family. So she knew that Cain was Satan. That because she had been very familiar with Satan. They visited. They they were at they had conversation. He made her promises that he almost kept. So for her to say that, that's different. So she knew Satan and Jesus being very close with John, the apostle, revealed it as well as to his brothers. So John says that Cain was of the wicked one. That makes him the firstborn of Satan's seed in the flesh. He won the contest. He wins the firstborn. That's why it's very important how you raise your firstborn. Because you're always, that pillar, that principle is trying to become a pillar in your generations, in your genetic tree. And so think about it. So here we come with the most master firstborn is Jesus, the first begotten. So don't don't worry, guys. Don't worry. I'm still around. I, I've got I got the next template. And I can bring all of you all under. But but Satan needs indiscriminate sex. He needs you to have all of those fun time play times because he knows the pillar of creation is the firstborn he gets. Unless you vow it to God, because when you when you give something to God, he doesn't he's not giving it back. So if you vow that firstborn to God, Lord, I don't know what I did, what I shouldn't have done. I'm about that's different. And I remember that. But parents, you even now, you I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't get it right. Vow your firstborn, all your children, but vow your firstborn to the Lord. If you're pregnant, you're trying to get pregnant, you want to be pregnant, you have to vow that firstborn to God. See, because if you give it to him, then God means I'm going to get it. When when Hannah said, I don't care if I keep this child or not. What I need to know is that I can conceive and, and contribute a person, a life to the Lord. She said, so if he wants it, he can have the firstborn and I will still be childless. God said, oh, you gave me the firstborn? Good. I'll take that one and I'm going to give you five more. Okay, as long as I get my five, I'm going to give you all of those other ones. When you think about Rachel and Leah, you know, Rachel's a baby. And she's a cutie and she's cruel. We don't like to teach how cruel she is. She's a cruel girl. And she was a deceptive girl. So you wonder, I mean, because we want to tell the story according to the evangelical, even though we're bad to God, God's bound to be good to us. But you understand God will never be better to us than he is to himself. And he's never going to be better to us than he is to Jesus Christ. So 
she, I mean, God gets her back. I mean, he gets her back. Even the maids have children. Yeah. I mean, he wants to <laughs> Just a minute. <clears throat> the maids having popping them out. Everybody popping them out for her. She is hot because I'm cute. Because cute women think that their cuteness impresses God. See, God is not, he, he's not a doting father over your cuteness. God is about righteousness. He's about purpose and destiny. And he watched Leah, I mean, come on. Her husband barely wanted to sleep with her, but it didn't matter because every time he did, she was pregnant. She ended up having more kids, more ki I'm telling you, more kids than, than her sister. Then when that's done, the maids had to pick it up. So that it ends up that 10, 10, lives are credited to Leah and two to Rachel, no matter how deeply her husband loved her. And there's no way in the world for, for Leah to be ignored because, well, she gave him all these children. I mean, God kept that womb just, just open. It was just open, just whatever. But when it came to her, she tried to name her last child by a curse. That's how bitter she was. Over her prayer being answered and her not going to be around to enjoy it. Because God kept letting her know throughout all of those years. It's not about you, cutie poo. It's not about you. And I'm saying to somebody right now, because see, you all are sitting there, somebody, y'all tempting somebody's husband. It's not about you, cutie poo. And you need to break that off. And you need to break it off now. Because it will cost you. Because the Holy Ghost says to tell you, I will give you a barren womb. You break another marriage up, you break another woman up, I will give you a barren womb or I'll give you a diseased womb. Either way, you will not thrive in your mischief, says God. So you need to cut that off. You need to stop those little visits and walking around in front of the wife like you got it going on. Let me tell you something. She, you may have her husband, but you don't have her God. Her God is with her. You wonder how so many people die miserable deaths in their later years because they do stupid things like that in their youth. And they feel like I'm going to be young forever. I'm going to be cute forever. I'm going to be all of that. And you really think that because God doesn't get you in the moment that he doesn't have a plant that have it in your body already installed what's going to take you out. See, because sin is installed in the body. And I could tell you this is a biological, physiological fact that they talk about how many tumors are dormant in human bodies, yes, how many is. diseases are dormant. Yeah. Uh, God doesn't even have to work hard. He just goes and hits it. Uh, boom. And, cause, and, and it's growing. Okay. He will activate all those dormant cells of sin in your body. So don't, that's why we have all these diseases. I ate right. I did this right. I ran four miles a day. I did all of that. Yeah. But you sinned by breaking up somebody else's house. You took somebody's job. You, when you were in your fraternity, you abused somebody. And if it was God's folks, he comes to get you. You know why? Because he has to vindicate the righteous. They said it is a, a it is a wonderful thing for God to what trouble those yeah. who trouble you. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I know this firsthand. I lived it. I lived it. And I'm telling you right now, you little cutie boo with your little swinging boobs and your little snap butt. I'm telling you, you will not leave this planet in a good shape. Now. 
you're going to, some of you all are going to, that's just religious. You can call religious all day long, but you know, religion been taking people out for centuries. Oh, oh. Have I not said? You. I'm telling you, but that's what the prophets do. Prophets are supposed to understand not just the theological, but the technological. Not just the textual. I want you to hear that. But the cellulation, because every word of God is full of life. One day when I do finish my class on the word, the way God really does it, we're going to follow that. So we're going to walk on in prophecy clinic. Why? Because God starts everything with the prophet. We see that by Abel. He literally, while Cain was walking around, I'm big man, I'm this and that. God was building Abel's body to establish the prophetic in the earth. See, we have that inheritance. We have that. That is our legacy, guys. The prophetic is our legacy. We don't even see anything close to prophetic perversion or divination showing up to eight eons down the line. That's our legacy. So what does that mean? What, is that, what, what does that look like? Well, the reason we're doing prophets see clinic is because God, if God starts everything with this word, he starts everything with a prophet. If he starts everything with a prophet, he does so through his word. And the beginning was the word. So this is a class that I have, I, I don't know, did like eight years ago. And just waiting, but just to show you, this is how long God has been. I used to say incubating. I'm now saying cellulating this in me because the word became flesh. When I can bring it out, when you can bring it out, this the word becoming flesh. It's John 1.14 in action, in effect. So a forensic study of scripture cases. I think that it is important <clears throat> that we recognize that that's what prophets do. Prophets had to study the word. There had to be a way for Isaiah to say, this is not God, that these are false prophets. It's our job today to study that and to discover what those traits and what those markers of false prophets and divination are. Now, in some cases, it was because they were in um, they were in the land and they weren't in God's prophetic community. Other cases, they were they were in another community under another God. So that was pretty good to say that anything that God's going to say is not going to be true. It may be fact, but it won't be truth. We've not see you see how you have to know the difference. See, it, it's fact, but it's not truth. Because by the time diviners get the word, it's already in the physical realm. We get the word from God's eternal realm. Because he's opening his books to see us. That's why you see the stack of files here to symbolize all of the resources and all of the files, etc., that we have that prophets must know and learn. The fact that you are that, that we have decades of, of, of producing and verifying prophets who don't know scripture. Yeah. You ended up with just prophesiers because if you focus it on their gift, then you did not focus on the office. Now, fortunately, God is not going to be bound up, so I'm sure he just tumbled some in the office just because. 
Just, uh, 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 just, we're just going to ignore that. Come on over here. <laughs> Let's just get you right on over here. So look at this. Online English Dictionary. I'm sorry, online etymological dictionary. The word for forensics pertains to or suitable for courts of law. We, we, we're in a place now, <coughs> excuse me, where the church has waking, um, come up and a group of apostles have said, you know, heaven, the court, courts of heaven. That's a big deal. But are they doing forensic analysis? Are we just finding another new tag, a new, another new label to stick on something else? And if they are, are they bringing God's populations into that law? Now, the word law is very interesting. And I'll say this because it explains why I'm, I go the direction that I'm going. The word law actually comes from a word, I think it's a Scottish word, leal, L-E-A-L. Leal means lo um, loyal. And the, prin the principle behind law is that you are loyal to the king. Because remember, this is a monarchical era. So you are loyal to the king. So disloyal prophets are illegal in God. So when they say we are legalistic, they're saying they're too loyal to the king. <clears throat> Please forgive me. <clears throat> they're too loyal to the king. Much too loyal. Too loyal to the king to be useful to us. Too loyal to the king for us to turn. Too loyal to the king for us to pervert. Too loyal to the king. See, that's what being legalistic actually means. Because the Ten, Cap the Ten Commandments are the law of God. So when you're loyal to the Ten Commandments, it means you're loyal to their author. And their author is the Lord Jesus Christ the living eternal word of God. Look it up. You know, I don't, I'm not going to tell you that's not so. So when you think about that and down the line, as you study this etymology, it ends up being the king, you know, law lex, king rex for reigning or regal. So that you cannot be, you cannot call yourself a sovereign if you have no lex, no law. If you're lawless, then and, and you really can't be in position without a higher authority putting you there because all authority is derived and delegated. So you cannot say, I'm sitting in this office and you have no authority over your head. The big deal about our nation is that our authority is the Constitution. Right. And the Supreme Court are literal guards and governors as well as forensic analyzers of the Constitution, in, not just in effect, in people, in life. Because the word Constitution started by explaining or defining a particular composition of a human being. And based on that comp composition, an ideology was born that said, Anybody that's going to keep our country going, keep our country alive, keep our country in power has to have the minimum of these constituents. Constituents were started out being biologic, biotic. And then we wrote it down. 
So it's kind of like going to your doctor and they said, we're going to do a battery of tests. And so they give you injections and they take your blood. They test all of your fluids. They then photograph your organs. They analyze them. They do all of that from your body, based on your body. And then they write it down. When they write it down and they put it in a file, that file becomes the constitution of your body. That's how we miss it. Because we have been so on, 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 they took us out on paper. They took the church out on paper. The, the, the paper that we are governed by is the actual, anatomical, neurological, physiological composition of the Lord Jesus Christ, the God who became flesh. We are his body. So when heaven does its forensic sweep and its scans and all of that, it's looking for this body that has become its template and, and the consciousness that's its model. See, people say, well, what is the church? I don't know what the church is. Ask me. Nobody asked me that. Ask me. Okay. Because the truth of the matter is the reason that these pastors have lost it is because they stayed in the text too long. And they stayed in the text long enough to lose perspective on the context. And so when the context became vague, they began to discredit and spurn the content. When the content no longer spoke to them, they began to decompose the constitution of the Godhead. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we, if we're going to fix this, we've got to go back to the whole thing that a doctor does or a physician will do when they're trying to find out what you're made of, where your strengths are, how you are, what, you, what are your organs doing? What are the organs of Christ doing? What are his muscles doing? What's going on in that marrow? There's a reason why he chose marrow, joint marrow. What's going on in that marrow, that, that new birth marrow? So until we can get there, which is a bit, we cannot get here. I don't have a problem with, with uh, you know, I told you God is, I don't care how many people tell you otherwise, God is getting ready to put apostles and prophets over pastors, over his church. Why? Because they began his church. People want to sit there and talk about it. Well, you know, the pastors are all upset and they try, hold on, aren't you the venom that made this happen? I'm all for being homeopathic, but come on here. This is the poison that did it. But, and, and it was based on lack of knowledge. A lot of people inherited this, this naivety, this ignorance. They inherited it from their mentors who turned. So you didn't turn, but you did pass it on. And so, and they left you with this template. So this is not a criticism, but you know, God is not about whether or not he's favored or whatever. He's in recover my body, recover my world mode. That's his mindset. Mind of Christ, let's get it back. Thoughts of God, let's do it this way. So God is in a take back, win back, win back campaign that is 
geared toward this. So when you think about it, but you can't do it. If I don't train you and this training doesn't get widespread enough, we are just going to do what has been done. And you're going to go back to all of the old vanguards and old paragons who did not leave us strong successors that would prevent us from being in this place. You realize that, that Donald Trump was beat up by churches because churches don't know God. Because if you knew God, you and you can't do it if you don't know the word. So you've been sitting in church, got your word, word scripts, your little clip art, your little clip, t everything, but you don't have Bible. You got scripture chips and scripture tips. So, you're, and but these because these people coming at me, I'm like, like now y'all know I don't really care, right? So let's get that real clear. I like to look at them and say, yeah, dumb is raining, isn't it, God? That's real stupid. Because it's idiocy to speak on something you don't know and only because you heard about it in 1,500 different ways. All of the television shows, all of the broadcasts, all of the sermons you went to, all of the, the you still haven't congealed, let alone synergized. Your knowledge of Jesus Christ, what is or is not Christ. You are always you're on opinion, and that is why we where we are. God can't get people to fight for him. He can't get the church to fight for him because the church doesn't know that it's supposed to do the word. Church is waiting for him to come. Jesus, Jesus, take us away like he's a cow gone bath. No, that's not happening. Take me away. Ooh, the mothership is coming for us. No, it's the fathership and he hasn't left port yet. <clears throat> so not for this. So look at this. I see the IC stem of the Latin forensis, meaning of a forum, place of assembly. Related to forum, which is a public place. So we ought to be able to publicly dispel all of these lies about God and about Jesus Christ and his word. Why do you think we go there? And do you all know on Sundays, there are some Sundays I'm standing up there and the enemy is like, now you know this is way over their head. What could they do with this? They don't need to know. They just need to know about God's love. I'm sitting here fighting those spirits while I'm trying to teach you the truth. Because they don't want any more of me than they can get tolerate. So I'm I'm sitting there and, and I mean, and they're like, why don't you just teach the love of God? Why don't I teach the holiness? Do you know love is not the most um, frequently mentioned word in Christmas? Did y'all know that? Holiness and truth. Righteousness. So it's righteousness, holiness, and truth. That's it. Before we, Those are the steps before love. So God's laws, his statutes, his government is based on righteousness, holiness, and truth. Love is like his skin. You know, you realize you take care of your skin and whatever, but guess what? Your skin is useless without your heart, your brain, your, and your vital organs. It's nice skin, nice soft skin. Isn't that nice and pretty? You can, you can play with it, clothe it, unclothe it. You can dress it up. You can cut it. You can stab it. You can dye it. But you're not trying to get rid of your brain and your other organs. I need my brain, my heart. That pair of lungs work really good for me. I really need those. That pair of kidneys, whew, and I, don't get me started on that liver, all right? I mean, you need that. <clears throat> you don't, and let me tell you something. You can do without your reproductive organs. <clears throat> That's why you know love is not the priority. <clears throat> 
You notice they age out. They age out. It's not working no more. And and you know, and everybody would say, Well, that's unfortunate. I said they both. And you know, so the medical field would say that's unfortunate. Yes, it is. They will. They'll tell you. But when they start talking about your heart, you're in crisis mode. It is not a crisis to lose your reproductive organs. It's unfortunate. But losing your brain, yeah, I'm, I think that in the, in the pecking order of life, okay. But but you know the Bible says that God will be vindicated when He's tried, that He'll be justified when He's tried, because God people are always testing God. So here, the last sentence later used in the sense of pertaining to legal trials as forensic medicine. Now, medicine captured it as if it's their own personal origin. It was not. This this was, this had to be plugged into medicine because this was, forensics is a judicial legal process, diagnostic process. I just thought you might like that. So science right now is trying to form a collective thought that would give it the, the rank and stature of a deity so that when they release the beast or whatever, which is not now, I'll, we'll talk about that later. But when they do that, then science will say, we did it first. God, Jeremiah talks about that. He said, yeah, but they steal my words. Because <laughs> in the beginning was the word and God spoke the first word. Every word that comes after that is his. Satan was known to have iniquity in him because he started talking differently. Right. Prophets were, were discerned by who that, who, what, sound they had, the terms they used, but the sentiments that they published were to, based on whether or not those sentiments were of Yahweh or one of the rival gods. So we know Buddha's sentiments. So therefore, we'll understand his subject matter, his scope of information. Because he's, don't worry, be happy. Like when you hear everybody say, no worries, that's Buddha's. I was in all of that when, when I was a young woman. All of those words, don't worry, be happy, no worries. All of those, y'all need to see because you all are affirming them. You all are giving power to them because every word you speak is spirit and is bringing something to life. So I don't, say, I don't use his phrases. I will not use his catchphrases and you all need to learn them because if you're going to be prophets, you need to stop using those catchphrases and begin to kill those spirits. Bless the people, kill the spirit. Bye. Yeah, I, I was in vibes. I was, you know, because I, 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 I told you I studied all of that. And, and people will come against you as if they know your 365 multi de decades of experience. Like, you don't know what I studied. You don't know where I lived. You don't know what happened to me. I studied all of that before I got saved. As a matter of fact, they helped me get saved. So you sitting there, you're talking about, you, you, or you all are talking about, uh-uh, I'm a Christian. If you are doing yoga, you're not a Christian or you're a disloyal one. Well, I just don't believe that. There we go. Unbelief. Satan started with unbelief. Remember, he made Adam, Eve disbelieve. And she talked Adam into unbelieving. Because he had faith in God. So you, if you're doing that, you're doing tattoos, that's not Jesus. I don't care what you, I don't, your devil may own you enough. 
to impose his thoughts and his will on you. But understand, just because he seduced you doesn't mean he seduced Christ. Jesus was tempted in all points, yet without sin. So he seduced you. So you, you've been duped. You bought into it. And you bought into it by a pastor or a leader or a, a fake Christian. See, we talk about fake news. We got a lot of fake Christians out there. Yeah. They are fake Christians. And you know why? Because they are serving one of the many Christ Jesus said would rise up and rival him. You can't even tell the true Christ from the from the fake ones. So the thing is, for the word forensic, forensic began as an investigative tool to publicly debate facts or evidence in courts of law concerned with concrete problems and data evidence so even now it's tied to the courts but now we're making it strictly scientific that is not how it began it began judicial or judicious which is what our supreme court has been doing they have been forensically revisiting all of these cultural ideologies and these cultural impositions and saying, wait a minute, hold on. This lacks judicial proof, judicial proof, judicial evidence. It lacks, um, lacks a lead, legal platform, a legal basis, meaning this will be disloyal to our nation. Mm. It will raise up a nation of disloyal folk. So now let's look at what we're talking about, examining prophecy classes. These are some of the things that you're looking at. We're looking at, obviously, looking at events, defenses, projects, states of affairs, all of this. This is a prophet's world. This is a prophecy's domain. It is your job to find the true and the false, to, to sift this and to decide Jesus Christ. It is what apostles exist to do from heaven down. You understand that the, the law of Moses came down to earth. It was not on earth. It was came down, the Ten Commandments <clears throat> came down to earth. <clears throat> and it started with Abraham's sperm coming from God to Abraham. We're looking at briefings and incidents. When you, these prophets are like, what does a prophet do when they're not prophesying? This. So that they can prophesy accurately, precisely, and relevant. That their words will be pertinent to what the Holy Ghost is bringing on the planet. Okay, so you, and all of these are, should be a, a readiness curriculum. So let's look at this. This is very important. John 6.63, words out of Jesus' mouth. It is the spirit that quickens. The, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Or they are the spirit that gives life. Because it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So think about it. You're a prophet. You're an apostle. You're a three-folder or a five-folder. And this is the foundation. This premise is the literal foundation that anchors 
the effects of your prophecies. The spirit quickens. The flesh profits nothing. You're like, well, yeah, but I don't read like that. Okay, so humanity was made on day six in God's creation log. And then in Christ, not on earth. Now, future generations would have been like that, but instead the fall caused humanity to be now of the flesh of humanity to come from earth. But it did anyway. Remember, day six, they're in God. They are not, they are, they're what we would call aliens. They've not been deposited on earth, let alone put in a body. This is very, very important. So Jesus is telling you how he did it. Day eight, the first day of the week, the second week, day eight, he comes and he makes the human body. Now I keep telling you this because this needs to be the, uh, uh, literally the vascularity of the prophet's wisdom and knowledge. So he makes the human body. And when he does, he breathes into the nostrils his breath. Now, see, his breath. And in his breath, traveling on all of his breath, whatever that might be, mucus, spittle, pick it out, air, comes the body, the soul, and the spirit that he made on the sixth day, housed in himself on the seventh day, saying that is why he had the first Sabbath, all of that comes into the body. Until then, the body is a corpse. Pretty cool. Remember we talked about how pretty the skin is? That pretty skin and that nice. And that. But it's a corpse. It's not moving. It is a literally fleshly mannequin. Looking good. There's nothing in it has no life because it's the spirit that gives life. Breath and spirit are synonyms. So God breathes into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and Adam becomes a living soul. Now, living is late because way back it was quickening because they knew as his body, he was also the generator and disseminator of natural life and reproductions of himself. But it's, you know, and I've said this before, we talk about how certain translations say, well, actually he was a living spirit. No, just because you can think it differently doesn't mean that you can publish it wrongly. Or that you should publish it wrongly. So Adam's soul is his life. His body is his slave. So your body is supposed to be your soul's slave. The physical, public, conspicuous part of your soul that connects with this life. So he said, the flesh profits nothing. And then he says, the words that I speak to you 
first of all, they are spirit. The first thing Adam got was what? Spirit. The spirit of God transported and transmitted his soul into him. And then he said, and they are life. The minute God blew the breath of life in Adam, he then became a living soul. He didn't call him a living spirit because that was saved for the last Adam. So we can talk about, well, did God really know? I mean, was he sure? Yeah, he was pretty sure. Now, in addition to that, from that point onward, the prophets write, then I, and from Psalm 40, verse 7, and then Psalm 10, 7, which I think is just really interesting. It was have fun doing that one. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. That is why God made man. You know, you have people, why are we on earth to do the will of your maker? Yeah, well, how am I supposed to know what that is? Find it out. You didn't know how to teach school. You found it out. You didn't know how to become a lawyer. You found it out. Didn't know how to be a doctor. You found it out. Didn't know how to be a politician or a public official. You found it out. So if it's that important to you, find it out. Instead of walking around talking about, I don't believe it because I haven't discovered it. When people say, I was watching the show, well, I just don't happen to believe. You mean to tell me that Jesus talks to you from the sky? Stupid girl, your satellite talks to you from the sky. Satellites are talking to us all day long. Stupid girl. So you 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 understand that you you can tell people your dreams and can't prove you had them. Prove to me you had the dream. That's true. I have dreamed a dream. Prove to me you had a dream. I'm I'm all day long waiting. Tell me. Well, because I know what a dream is. Why do you know what a dream is? Well, I just know. Yeah, the same way you can't prove you had a dream, and yet you take it by faith that it was a dream, and it was yours, and it was given to you, and you don't care from where it originated. You don't. You don't care. So as far as we're concerned, what if I told you dreams didn't exist? There's no such thing as dreams. Anywhere. In any person, in any generation, in any population, there's no such thing as dreams. Do you know dreams? You know what you're going to do? You're going to fight like crazy to prove to me that dreams exist. Right. Why? Because you're having them. Well, I say to you today, I'm going to fight like crazy to tell you there's a God. Why? Because I am working with him. My God and I are working and we are, he's talking to me. Now, you want me to believe your dreams that you don't know anything about, can't even explain them, are talking to you telling you to do this and that, but I can't stand to say God is. You understand? The most profound and enjoyable as well as the most enigmatic things in creation have no physical complex or templates. They have template. They have to come from us and they are by faith. By faith, you say dreams exist. By faith, you have to tell me you had a vision. And it's up to me to believe whether or not you really had a vision. Right. And depending on my personal incentive, I'll accept it or not. So until you can tell me with how people dream, how many books do we have? Key in the internet, how many times oh. the word dream come up? Oh my comes up. Talk to me. Well, I don't believe we have a soul, yet you believe you have a dream. You see how stupid stupid can be? Stupid comes far stupid to become stupider. 
You looked it up? Yeah. How many billions? Almost five. Five. 5.626. 5 billion times dream comes up. Mm. Key and vision. Mm. See, one thing I do like about today's data gathering, so 5 billion times dreams have been and nobody can prove that they had the dream. You can't prove it. Well, I got it because I wrote it down. Well, Jesus wrote down the scriptures. You don't believe those? Over five billion. Five, five billion right. times. Now, look, do two more. God and Jesus. Because, see, most of what you are running on can't be proven, and yet you want to tell me as an atheist that I'm wrong. And I can tell you you're wrong or either you are deceived because you can't tell me your dream. They said a scarce few people actually say they've never dreamed. Well, they probably are so dense in brain they don't know because the heart talks all the time and the heart talks your dreams. 4.8 billion. For, for God, 4.8 billion. Slightly over dreams. But you know they're scared of Jesus. Two billion. One point six nine. Yeah, you know that's not right. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But see, but do you see the warfare against your Savior? Because the problem is in His name. He said, even on those who believe in His name, the problem is at the name of Jesus. All right. <clears throat> you hit Jesus Christ. Oh no, sorry. I looked at Buddha to see what they were saying about him. And what did they say? Uh, 369 million. Yeah, he's still he's still a booby. And if we got anything to do with it, we're doing away with that. So I'm going to tell you right now, and y'all, you can write me and give me all of your little spew and whatever. I'm going to tell you right now, God's deities, God, the creator God does not coexist with fallen deities. That is why they're his prisoners. That is why they're his, his rejects. Because God does not, when they had an opportunity to coexist with God, they were not under another name. They were in the person of Jesus Christ. Okay, slightly more. And you know why? Now, remember, hear this. There are 45 million Christians in America, people claiming Christian. 45 million, and that's all we got. Because Satan is a liar but we're gonna change that what well jesus christ when it, the search comes up is tied to uh mormons latter-day saints uh-huh why because, because they this is the internet blocking you know google blocking but i'm gonna tell you this i know it to be a fact i might have to go into i might go under i like to go into duck duck go they sometimes give me different things but i want you to hear that do you hear that now, this is Mormons. That means that they don't think the Protestants charm. They are not even Do you know it's a billion Catholics? Right. A billion Catholics under Jesus Christ. So you know that's wrong. But see, Satan doesn't mind being wrong as long as he, you never find out that he's deceiving you. See, he's okay with being wrong. He just doesn't want to be classed as a deceiver. So let's go to this here, Psalm 40. Verse 7 and Hebrews 10, read them on your own time. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but the word, the word quickly, quickly, this uh, quickly, you see what it says here. 
but it is the spirit that gives life, makes alive, releases the spiritual power to infuse natural physical life. That's what quickening means. And that's G27777. All right. The spirit quickening as it respects the, um, the spirit um, is endued with new and greater powers of life. The seeds that quicken into life, that is germinate, spring up, and grow. So when it says the words, now think about it, my words, his words, give life, endue with new and greater powers of life, quicken or enlivens, and then germinate, spring up, and grow. <clears throat> the last three <clears throat> that we're talking about, I want to talk about here, germinate, spring up, and grow. And you know why? Because that's prophecy. Prophecy is a seed. Words are seeds. And now we're, God is telling you they're not just empty seeds, but that they are the seeds that are tapping into creation's materials, creation's inventory, creation's stockhouse or stockpile to begin to produce a life. So Jesus is saying, when I speak, what comes out, the breath that comes out of me is spirit. Your spirit is your breath. So he puts a big, big uh, um, caveat on our speaking. What does he say? You will give a what? An account of every idle word. Study the idle part. Because it means neutralizing. That's what false prophecy and divination do. That's their objective. Neutralize. Deathify. Deteriorate. Deviate. All of those. And what do we have from the psychics? That's what you get. Oh, God wants you to be, just, he wants you to have the love of your life. No, he doesn't. He wants to be the love of your life. See, you see how it is. See how much that matters to them. Well, God wants you to be rich and whatever. No, no, no. He said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you will have great riches in heaven. So you want God, you mean God doesn't want us to be rich? God wants you to be wise with your riches. And he wants them to be at his disposal. Deuteronomy 8 says that it is the Lord, the, the Lord gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. So if you're getting wealth according to psychic and divinatory covenants, then they, you are establishing their covenant in the earth through your life. That is why their wealth is fighting and destroying what Jesus has built. So you look at that. I mean, you look at some of these kids, they all tatted up, pierced up and whatnot, and we're all excited. You know, people are excited. Yeah, but look at how much money they got. The Satan got to pay you. He can't save you. <laughs> so he's got to make you look saved. So that you could be a good sales That's like, you know, that's the display window. So when they walk down the street of what he deems success and look into the storefronts of what he calls successful, they look like they're successful because that's the best he can do. Because he's got to pay you because he's killing you. So he has to pay you to not mind dying. What? Is that the truth? He's killing you. He already knows you're on borrowed time because his funds are borrowed. That's why people can't keep it. He only got a handful of folk that he let keep as well. Everybody else gets 10, 20 years and out. And you've got to pay a hefty dues for that. 
So profit means, you know, you I like this one. I thought you'd appreciate this. Profit, useless, not advantageous. So your flesh is not really what's getting it done. It's your heart and your soul because your flesh was dead and useless. See, your soul and your heart on day six were non-existent. But they were never dead. Your body starts dead and relies on the heart to live. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was, what? With God and the word was God. A prophet ought to say this day and night. A messenger of God ought to say this day and night. You ought to never forget so your prophecies should not start without them being filtered through this verse. In the beginning was the word. Okay, I got a word. And the word was with God. Was I with God when I got the word? Is God with me when I, with this? No, my. And the word was God. Wow. Is this word actually God? Because the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. See, that filter ought to play all the time. When I got prophecies, and I would get a lot of them because many new people, newcomers to the prophetic ask me, well, why does God give me prophecies if I, he doesn't want me to tell them? He wants you to look them up. He wants you to research them. He wants you to go. He wants you to have a practice of verifying because you're verifying according to this criteria and according to Revelation 19. So he's now you're in class. That's like saying, why am I getting ideas about future surgeries and I'm still haven't finished my med degree because they want you to get the degree so you'll know what you're doing. So God will give you prophecies in the beginning. He doesn't expect you to use. He will also give them to you to see if you'll run and tell them or will you run to him about them? Samuel gave us, I think, one of the greatest models of restraint. He had he had the whole word that the other guy had, but God hadn't released him. God was not with him then. And the scripture tells us that because it says the word of the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody hit something, girl. Hit something. <clears throat> the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That is a class discussion seminar all by itself. What do you mean the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him? The person of the word had not the see the Jesus of the word. So he had the law. He had their doctrines. But what he didn't have was Jesus Christ depositing himself in his library or archive in him. Now, he had prophecy. He had the gift. His gift was there. But the, de the deposit of the office had not happened. Because the prophet's office is the living word of God. And the living word of God is the office. And it is the office that the Almighty established before there was an earth. You understand that when, when the war in heaven era happened, God had to have prophecy too. Because Satan has shut off and blinded the people. So they now needed in, in, intermediaries just like he did in the planet. God would talk to Adam straight up. Yes. The highest seat that you can have in God is not only that he can talk to you straight up or, or, or command you straight up, but that he can converse with you straight up. See, because commandments and conversation is not the same. Ooh. If God can't share his thoughts with you, 
if he can't give you his sentiments, then guess what? You are still a prophet, but you are a messenger. But you're not a colleague or collaborator. That is why when you want God to get some of these high people, he ignores you. He's like, are you kidding? That's my colleague. We're working together. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. No, you just need to grow up, suck it up, get yourself right. We can really see a lot of, of what we call arbitrary, what heaven calls sovereign. We're going to have, we're gonna be drowning in the sovereignty of the almighty. And he's going to ignore you like he's ignoring a lot of people now. You know, I hear people, you know, people write me and they write, Lord, just get rid of Paula Price. God's like, are you kidding me? It took me 38, almost 40 years to get this, this particular oh vessel. I'll get, I will do without you before I get rid of that. Simply because what I put in it is biotic. It's, it, it is not just, I'm not just a job description. This is not just a positional. See, what's in us is not just positional. Positional is the last thing. The first thing it is, is biotic. Her mind is toward me. Her heart is toward me. Some of this, these people, no, uh-uh, he, he listens to me. When I wake him up, he gets up to pray. I wake you up, you beg me to give you more sleep. See, there's a problem. Look, can we meet in the morning? You've always rescheduled your meetings with God. <laughs> See, you always rescheduling your meetings. I tell you, I have something on my mind. <clears throat> he can't tell you that he's got urgent things that he needs you to know. He can't downgrade it. He can't say things like you. He always has to be in command mode. So you want him to be autonomic. He's just got to command, go, do, say, go, do, say. But when you sit in a high place with the leader, Moses, he said, I don't talk to you all the way I talk to Moses. I speak to him face to face, which means I unveil and disclose myself to him. You, I send down my auditory system. So you get the sonic sound. Okay, what well, the Lord gave me. Mm -mm. Joshua. Joshua was extremely, extremely familiar with God because it says he went in the temple. So, and that's something else you know about your leaders. When your leaders withdraw, when you withdraw, that tells you that they're with you and thus with God. When Moses withdrew from the community, pitched his tent far, far away <coughs> so he could see him coming. <laughs> <laughs> See, because no her nowhere to mm -mm. far, far away. So he pitched his tent, and then he moved the tabernacle. You know, but well, well, not so much move, move as he just on a distance from the folk. But the phrase that touches you is the one that says, "Joshua entered the tabernacle and never came out." See, if you're going to be a successor, you ought to be in the place your mentor was, the predecessor was, so that you can absorb the fullness of what they got. Otherwise, because if you have independent thoughts, secret thoughts, you have, well, you know, God is saying that, and then you're the mentee, then you're the kid talking about I'm smarter than my mom. Are you kidding me? Joshua wished he could have been Moses. He was scared half to death. But he stayed in the temple not only to get what Moses got, Somebody hear me. I'm going to hit this thing because I got to say this. Not only to get what Moses got, but to get it firsthand. He didn't get it secondhand. He positioned himself to get it firsthand. Now, that, that's not to say here because, you know, Moses is still officiating in the temple. He's still with the priest supervising and all of that. He's still doing that. Because Moses has super, has become like the head of state 
superseding the law, superseding the government, and in fact, embodying the government that public officials appointed by him must, <clears throat> must follow. So you could talk about, yeah, well, you know, I realize that God uses her, but he uses me too. When people say that to me, I think you don't know God. You don't even know your own organization's hierarchy because you're saying things that doesn't even work in this world. Because they know in the world that you're going to say, just because you say good morning to the CEO every day, you're equal to the CEO. Come on and make it plain here. There's no way in the world that you can you can sit there and greet your, your supervisor. They pass you as a receptionist and all of a sudden you stop being a receptionist. You don't expect it. You don't even imagine. You'll say, oh, no, I'm not. Mm -mm, I'm not equal to that. Unless, of course, you're in a fantastical delusion. At which point. Whew, help us, Lord. And so when you when you look here and it says here and the word became flesh. And we beheld his glory. The word was made flesh, forgive me, became. I told you, I don't like the became word. And only because became talks about as if it was an evolutionary thing. But was made as a deliberate handwork, deliberate makeup, composition. So the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. Now. Think about it. You're going to speak for this man and you don't know what his mind is, what his thoughts are. Like when I when I go back, going back to the Samuel thing, God knew that Samuel did not have his word cellulated. He knew he had it memorized. So he can articulate it, but he couldn't express it. The word express means press out into another being or another thing. So he said, neither, 1 Samuel 3, 7, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. Why? And I said, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. How do you not yet know the Lord? You've been trained to be the prophet. You've been praying, trained to be. So there is some nuanced thoughts and some implications there subtle implications there that are worth exploring if you're going to be a prophet and to educate prophets at what point are they speaking under the holy spirit as a messenger versus an official at what point will their language change and into what will their language change to show that they have moved from gift to office So when you read it, I'm looking at the other translations. Um, so one other translation, TPT translation, means um, living expression became a man. So to understand that we can hear, I want you to hear the physicality of this. So, and the word was made flesh, or and the word and the living expression became a man. And then the word became flesh and tabernacled among us because the in those days. Your body was considered a tabernacle, so your skin is the tabernacle. So you tabernacle in your skin. Your organs tabernacle in your skin. Your spirit and soul tabernacle. So your skin is your tabernacle. It's the skin of it. You think about like now. Now we're understanding that this computer is nice, but don't. what do they call the outside? The skin. Because they understand the skin is not the it. Now they have sense enough to know that. 
in this technological context, but not when it comes to God. So if, if the body is the skin, then it's not the essence. It's not the substance. The, um, so the word became human and lived a little while among us. Williams translation. The word became a human being and lived here with us. CEV. The word became a human being and lived here with us. The word became a human being and full of grace and truth lived among us. GMB. Flesh that is took on, look at this, flesh that is took on flesh and bones. The word became flesh by taking on flesh and bones. Meaning, now here's interesting, meaning the soft substance of the living body which covers the bones and is permeated with blood. So you see, the scripture been telling us that this has all been about biotics. We just wanted to make it about print. So we think becoming like Jesus is memorizing the print and quoting the text. That is not it. Exemplifying Jesus can only come from being his example, his template. A body human or natural of physical origin or that which originates a generation. What is subject to suffering. So we're here talking cases. This is Bible case. I just laid out a case for why our salvation is biotic. And our conversion, transformation of soul is biological. That biologically the soul generates what it, the uptake of the spirit so that it can begin to reformat our bodies so that our bodies will cease from sin. See, that's what Paul was talking about. Because when you have become like God, you cease from sin. And you cease from sin in action, conduct, or behavior, even in consciousness, because your soul has stopped producing and generating the elements and particles or chemistry of sin. You like that, didn't you? Was that too complicated? Let's just stop and talk to me. Was that too complicated? Okay, what would you like to clarify? The last part you just said about the, uh, the, the, the body will stop sinning because it's something that's coming to a Exactly. I think that's a good question. Remember, your body is nothing without your soul. Do we agree? Yes. So that, gr that means that all the chemicals, the biologics, the fluids, the, all of those anabolics, metabolics, all of that is literally composed and compounded in your soul. So if you, for example, if your heart is broken, then your soul will send that signal to the body. And ultimately, your, your physical heart will become destabilized. All right? If you have a lot of stress headaches, eventually it's going to show up organically in your head. Even though the stress is in your body. So remember, the soul is not a piece of you. The soul is a being inside you. Your body's a piece. <clears throat> 
Your body's a piece. Your soul, no, is a whole being that decides what the body is. For example, when <clears throat> because blood comes from the soul, you can't have a body without blood. Is that right? So, and we know blood comes from the soul because the corpse in the Garden of Eden didn't have a body. I mean, it didn't have blood. It didn't have life. Because the minute you have blood, you have life. Blood sees to it that everything else happens. So anatomically, it was a perfect thing. But the atoms that made up the atom anatomy or the atomics of the body came from the breath of life. Because it had earth. And it had whatever life was in the earth, but it still wasn't alive. So we got an earth that is keeping the, um, the um, animals alive. Well, not so much because the body is the first thing he formed. But we have the earth that's got the elements. We've got the waters. We've got all kinds of vegetation. And he makes this body from the dust of that earth. And still it's dead. Because life doesn't come from the earth. At least it didn't originate from the earth. It originated from its maker, which is why we do this, the, the teaching on your soul as your maker made it. Does that help you? Well, what did it help you? Uh -uh, you're not going to get off that easy. <laughs> uh -uh. Gonna, at least let me know that we landed where you needed us needed me to land. Hold on. She's bringing you something so the people won't think that we're talking to the wall. Yes, you landed me closer, um, um, especially the piece where you said that the body is a piece and your soul is an entire being. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Any other comments, commentary, statements, questions? Wow, Angela, I'm so glad that you had one. Here you go. Well, actually, the, the one piece right now that I was sitting here kind of thinking through was the anabolics, metabolics uh, language that you gave us in regards to the transition from the soul to the physiology and just thinking about because, well, I know I need to go back and now read this based upon what you said, but what I know of it at this point is that anabolics and metabolics are related to stasis. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so you're essentially steering us to understand that the fluctuations of physiological stasis have their origin in the being of the soul. Absolutely. Which is why you talk to us about, you know, why, how can you take a physical pill, mm -hmm. right, for something that's an immaterial issue? Mm -hmm. And so you're reversing what you're really trying to give us the tools, the instruments, the understanding for is to go backwards into the soul and begin to track more efficiently for each individual. What are those soul imbalances that begin to alter the physiological stasis and then essentially create a, um, I can't think of a better term right now, but a functionality dysfunctional loop mm -hmm. Yep. Because they start to loop back one to the other. Exactly. The physiology undermining the soulology, the soulology undermining the physiology until they bring you into whatever the, the level of degradation. And so for me also, when I connect that to what you taught us about even the fields, mm -hmm. the heart, the electromagnetic field, electromagnetic fields, then going back to the prophetic as a science, so if the adversary is looking at us as physiological beings and in part measuring us on the basis of those fields, 
then the importance of the soul imbalance and the destabilizing of the stasis is also a measurement. It's, it's kind of how the spiritual realm marks whether you're actually operating in a particular strata of authority and capacity to push back on whatever its agenda, strategies, instruments, and devices would be. So there's actually physiological elements that spirits are also reading and regulating. And each attack, each strategy is about bringing you down, boom, 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 mm -hmm. to the place where they can take you out or fight. Diminishing you. So understand this. Let's look at it like this. <clears throat> the spirit is constantly feeding the soul its energy. All right. So let's look at that. <clears throat> no matter what, the transactions between the two, not just interactions, because see the soul and the body interact, but the spirit and the soul transact. They change the spirit changes the action of the soul. Okay. So the spirit is constantly because it's the energy, it's the life source. Remember, we just saw that. The spirit gives life. So the spirit is constantly feeding life to the soul. But understand, this human spirit is now fused with death. Because remember, the serpent entered as a spirit. So now, it's so there is the, the residual natural life of the light of its maker, but then there is the eclipsing and deathifying life of the spirit. So this, they're mixing, they're fusing. So they're going into the soul realm. Now, in the soul realm, because this is how the soul is, the soul already came into existence dead. Dead in trespasses and sins. It didn't say cessation. It said dead in trespasses and sins. You understand? That's a different way of saying it. So it so it its life is death, and its death shows up by sending to the body how to trespass, how to sin. I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin that my mother conceived me. So it's already telling. So the body is already dead. The earth is dead. Everybody, all of that is dead. Meaning that the instructions, the code, all of those. Every let's just take your computer, get rid of your virus protection. <laughs> In less than one second, all of that that was pushing against your computer storms in. You get crazy ads. You get this. You get that. All right? Virus protection is gone. That is what Adam did and exposed us to every viral thing that, that one-third of angels had released in the planet. Now, that everything that he released became part of the earth's ecology. So Satan's ecology, that's why I don't trust half of what they say. Satan's ecology has, is now <clears throat> anatomizing itself through the reproductive system, through the mom, through the food we eat. So now we still got this little piece of light nature trying. We try, it's trying. And you're, it's like, and think of that as your little computer. It's trying, and these things, you I mean, you can't stop them. They're, every time you turn around, and they're writing themselves, writing their codes in your system. The cross was your virus protection. You want to know the effects of the cross, and I'm giving you this as an analogy. So the cross comes. Jesus now 
takes this this viral ecology and he he puts it under control, quarantines it under the blood of the lamb. So the earth is it is now it's muted. A lot of what would take us out. See, we still don't know how bad it was unless we look at those pictures that people find in caves. We don't know how deformed humanity was. So here's so now your soul, your soul is slowly. You got this new spirit, this new spirit. You got that dark spirit out. That serpent spirit is gone. Now you've got your your own natural spirit, which is upgraded because of the new birth. And the Holy Ghost is the virus protector. He's the defender. You're not getting nope. You're not getting back in here again. We're not going to let you do this to humanity again. But the difference is, it doesn't come reproductively um, by, through the sex act. They call it an asexual reproduction. And so it's an asexual reproduction whereby John 1 1 is an asexual reproduction to as many as believed him, gave him a power to become the children of God. Even on those who believe on his name, who were born not of the will of man nor of the will of flesh, but of God. So think about that. So now this, we got this wonderful, all of this here. It's like, whoo, we've been rescued. They came down from the sky. God, they brought it. We all right. And it begins to do battle with your whole physiological, solical environment. The whole environment. And how is that? Envi- What's doing battle? The, the particles, the life particles of the blood of the lamb. The blood, the same blood that breathed into their corpse, the same breath, the same being that breathed into their corpse, the breath of life has now multiplied itself because humanity has. And it is the same breath, that same Holy Ghost is cleaning up your your entire entity environment. And it's going after the soul. And so because the soul was unstable, the soul, what he said, all of them are out of corpse. The, uh, everything he said you're, we were out of orbit with God he said all of the out of course the whole earth is out of course so now here we go we've got remember the soul was doing all of this before and before it came in then but but what's happening now is the life of all of those one-third beings that descended fell on earth they have populated themselves. They have physicalized themselves so that all of the, the physical or what we would call, um, what do you call it? The metabolisms and the antibodies, that which is, is transfused. So the soul transfuses the body. That is why they have found out no matter how much you eat, if you don't deal with your soul, it's going to keep telling your body not to metabolize like this don't don't anabolize like that it's going to keep you according to the generation that's in you that you came from the gene pool that you came from see they're telling us the truth we're just not calling it or extracting it as proof because we're not doing our forensic studies so you have you're talking about i listen um, you can't say any longer that you are, um, you can't say I'm free from alcoholism. Why? Because your soul is still going to metabolize it that way. But So you have to say, no, I'm not. But the blood of the lamb said, but I took those cues and codes out and I replaced them with life. But the Bible uses life, it uses death, sickness, disease. And we have to go in and do that work. So your soul chemicalizes your body. Chemicalizes. That's why the because all the, the everything is in your blood, is it not? I'm not. I don't want to be wrong. 
It, everything is in your blood. Is it right? So that's why the blood has to be the consummate fluid of life. Everything is in your blood. And from the, from the marrow to your skin, your blood's in control. So when God changes the blood, the codes of death to life by his blood, which he does by his spirit, you will end up being him because he keeps pushing. He's pushing his blood through you. He's pushing it. And that is pushing out the blood of death or the codes of death. He will purge you. And they talk about there are certain things you can fix this nutritionally. There are ways that you can fix it behaviorally. There are ways you can fix it aerobically. But in the end, those are temporary fixes. Think of your, your, your computer getting plugs and patches. But when you when somebody says, all right, you can keep this skin, you can keep this, but I want you to know that I have this whole new system, soft system, that I want to put in your computer. It, what is it going to do? It's going to immediately go to work, finding problems, fixing, finding and fixing, finding and fixing, finding and fixing. It's going to do that whether you want it to or not. Now, let's say that you begin to, they say, now, here, this is the instruction manual, and then these are some of the uh, maintenance that you need to do. So then you start doing it. We, all we're talking about now is soul maintenance because the spirit realm is done. So we're going to do our updates, soul, whatever. When you think about it, <clears throat> this is the part that I think is so amazing, is that the church has put so much emphasis on the spirit because it takes the least amount of work. Because none of this works apart from your will, your psyche, your consciousness, or your conscience. <laughs> we want to talk about the things of the spirit. But see, it's your soul that decides whether you go to heaven or hell. Now, your body can be dead and go to the dust and borrowed by the next generation, but nobody can reuse your soul. We don't have to know. I know they like to say this. Nobody can reuse your soul. And your soul is not just about you. If you look at it, Adam's soul was about creation. It was about populations. It was about generations. Nobody can do that. So, again, she's going to tell you, we're going to wrap up by giving you again how to get in our in my soul class. But before we do, I want to tell you, share, 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 share again, and then share some more. And then after that, sow seeds. And you all sow seeds. And you, you, you can't keep saying you want God to fix a problem. And when he raises up the fix, you don't want to finance it. I want to take this global. I want to take it on networks. This teaching needs to be. I need a wider audience. And that re help, requires your help. So I'm asking you to sow a seed. And, and, and I want to say this. <clears throat> I'm not asking you to you know trigger your bad memories about who didn't do it right i've been out this thing a long time nobody can tell you that i did it wrong as a matter of fact because of the the, the containment of funds i've ha not had an opportunity to do it too much at all i need you if you have friends that have camera equipment and and, and filming and television equipment let us know. Contact Apostle Ashley. You have friends who have access with networks and whatever. You feel like you want to do something for God, but I don't. You want to, don't want to do it out of pocket. Then pick something that you can do that will get me to the globe and get the globe this information so that it can save its soul. So again, it should be on the screen for you to so see and then to enroll in a class. There it is. Until then, see you Sunday at the embassy, home of the congregation of the mighty, where God stands. Eight o'clock, Sunday school, 10 o'clock.
service, and by all means, think differently so you can live powerfully. Reintroducing Dr. Paula Price Powertrain.com. Become the most successful you. Business and life coaching and training with Dr. Paula Price. Register today for her course that will be available called Taking Control of Your Soul, a personalized way to take control of you. Lesson one, your soul is the creator made it. Lesson two, soul fixer upper, getting in touch with your soul. Lesson three, dissecting the thoughts of the heart. And lesson four, under construction, exposing the appetites of the heart and soul. Learn more at www.drpaulapricepowertrain.com. Dr. Price should be on television because her wisdom is universal. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you agree or you don't, there is wisdom and eternal truths in everything she says. She's intelligent and not just emotionally reactionary. And so if she's going to, let's just say, have a rebuttal against something, she has done her homework. And so it's not just shooting off emotionally and this is just what I believe and just, you know, unbridled passion all over the place. She should be on television because the world needs her, not just the body of Christ. There are answers that she has taken the time, which a lot of people don't want to do, and paid the price and the sacrifice like people in scripture. And it's time for the world and the world is ready to hear that information. Oh, she's real. Dr. Price is real. That's the appeal. We just had a whole bunch of people in church on Sunday and the overriding comment was, but she's just so honest, but it's just so truthful. And it's not just honesty to shock people and do whatever. She's honest about the Lord, honest about the word, honest about us sitting in the seats and herself also sitting in their seats. And, and that's, that's huge. You, you don't even realize you don't hear the truth a lot until you hear it. And you're like, that's it right there. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to visit www.takingiton.com. Taking It On is not just about a television show. It is about getting around tables, having discussions, making connections, shaking hands, opening doors, and you might be the solution or the open door to what God has told Dr. Paula Price. And so as we continue to take it on, we want to take it on with you. Partner with us at www.takingiton.com.